Hey, 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 what's going on, everyone? You are now listening to Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown. Hello, 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 everyone. This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, and I am here with adversity and resilient speaker, Jasmine Williams. Jasmine. Thank you so, so very much for being here with us today. Um, I know you've got like a lot of things going on. So thank you for taking some time to spend um, here at Resilience in Action. Of course. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. I'm not going to butcher your bio. I'm going to let you take the reins on that one. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am an adversity and resilience speaker. I work a lot with college students and a variety of other audiences to really talk about some of the difficult experiences that we all go through and how we can learn to build some of the tools and strategies to help us develop resilience, which is part of why I was so excited about your podcast. And my background is in communications and journalism as well. So I've been speaking for quite some time, um, started off sort of in the journalism realm and then pivoted to more of communications in the corporate um, and public sector. So I'm excited to talk with you. I think uh, we've definitely seen over the last couple of years, more people starting to focus on adversity and resilience. So I've been busier than ever, but all good things. And I'm excited about what's to come. Awesome. Awesome. I can imagine what, where did you just get back from? New Mexico. Wow. How was that? It was different. It was so warm and very dry. I've never been there before. And so it definitely has a stereotypical desert temperatures, which I was not quite prepared for. Um, But I had a really good time. I was at New Mexico State University and probably one of the funnest audiences I have ever worked with. They were amazing. That's awesome. Very, they were engaging you and stuff. Yes. And I think as a speaker, I'm sure having a podcast too, like when you're not pulling teeth, it just, the hour flies by and it's fun. And you're like, this is why I do this job. This is why this is so special and fun and can actually make a difference versus the audiences that are a little bit more stiff and need a little bit more, you know, probing and prodding to kind of get something from Mm -hmm. them. Um, So I think those ones, they just make it more fun for me, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you say you've been speaking for a while. What's a while? Yeah, I actually gave what I would consider my first professional type of speech when I was in college. I spoke at a a staff meeting in front of about a thousand staff and faculty members on my own college campus. And I started to speak at other events uh, just about my experience. When I was in college, I experienced a lot of adversity in my personal life. And my school really opened up the avenue for me to share that story with other people on campus. And that's really how my, my speaking journey got started. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, okay, okay. Um, What is the hardest part that you've found with your speaking career? Oh, that's a really good question. I think there's parts that are hard in different ways, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure you understand that. You know, the travel is sometimes hard, right? The early flights, the delays, that's hard. 
Um, but I would say probably the hardest part, especially as an adversity and resilience speaker, is you're often talking about things that are not fun to share. Mm-hmm. And I think it's harder than most people realize to, it's almost like you're opening up your own wounds over and over and over again. And that's hard as hell, right? Like that's not fun for us to do. And it's really rewarding. It's really special because especially when you hear from an audience member after Jasmine, I had such a similar experience and I was really losing hope. And this just reignited a fire that I, I didn't know I had in me. I really needed this, right? That is so, you can't replace that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that it's still hard. It's like you have a bandaid that you keep ripping off of yourself and, and pouring peroxide in the same wound over and over and over again. And, um, I will say with time, it does get easier, but I would say it never gets easy. I think it's always difficult. And that's probably the hardest part, um, at least for me personally. Absolutely. I think we just learn learn how to articulate it and live in it, mm-hmm. you know, um, instead of trying to escape it all the time. Because you, you, we, we can't because right. as speakers, we, we're talking about it constantly. Yeah. So learning it, how to... It's interesting. So someone uh, from my speaking team had recently given me the advice to put not necessarily a trigger warning. I I don't always like that term, but almost like a, I have a slide that says, let's pause. And it has like the play pause sign. Mm -hmm. And I I literally say to the students or to the audience, you know, um, I'm about to share a part of my story that's actually really difficult for me to talk about. And I don't, share it to make you sad, to kill the vibe or anything like that. But because it was something that really caught me off guard when I was in college. And I hope that by sharing this experience and the ways that I did not cope with it well, Mm -hmm. and then talking about some of the ways that I could have done it better, right? Let's have that conversation. I hope that that will help you. And I found by just putting that little I think uh, someone on my team called it like a care warning. Okay. That actually helps me also. I I know it's for them, but I feel like it helps me. Like, you know what, girl, the hard part's coming. You know, it's hard. You're telling them, you know, I might tear up. I, my last speech, I got very choked up in a certain part. And Mm -hmm. I think it helps the audience see like, okay, this is not, she's not acting like this is real. These are real stories. These are real challenges that people have experienced. And I think it almost makes them respect the speaker more to see, I am willing to open up this old wound to help you and to show you. And I want you to see this painful thing that I experienced. And I think it it takes a lot to be willing to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 110. The one I, I agree. I agree. It's like, uh, take care, take care for you mm-hmm. and take care for me. You know? Yeah. Um, the crazy thing is we're all just trying to have a greater human experience. And I think the connection that us as speakers were able to get with that audience is that collective humanity. Like I've been there, you know, I, I feel you, I see you, 
you know, I acknowledge your existence. And that's, and that's great for them, but it also is great for us too, because we, mm-hmm. we know we're not alone, but we like to hear it, you know? Right. So yeah, absolutely. Especially, absolutely. I think something I see a lot working primarily with college students is, you know, there are a lot of times when you'll be speaking and you're like, it's not landing. It's not hitting anyone. The message is not getting through and, you know, people are not paying attention or on their phones or whatever. And without fail, every single time, you know, I'll, I'll make eye contact with certain students and be like, it's not clicking for them. That's okay. They're not my person today. And later on, that is the student that will come up to me after and say something. And it's interesting because I, I've sort of reflected on that and realized are some of the students or audience members who look disengaged are they disengaging because it's hitting too close to home, mm. right? Like, yes. oh, I my defense mechanisms are all the way up. My guard is all the way up. I don't care about this. I don't need to listen to this. This is not for me because it is for me. Mm-hmm. And if I recognize that this is for me, it's going to show. And I don't yeah. want people to know, right? And some of them have worked so hard to keep certain things up. And sometimes as a speaker, you're talking about things that are making some of those guards come down, which can be very scary. And then you get the DM after and you're like, wait a minute, that's the kid that I thought was on his phone the whole time, or that's a student that, you know, wasn't really got up and left or whatever. And I, I, without fail, every single speech that has happened to me, it's very eye opening. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's like you said, it's scary and it's a beautiful thing. Um, the level of vulnerability we're able to share, um, and that's a, a big word that is getting more the recognition that it deserves mm-hmm. um, nowadays. Shout out but, to Renee Brown. <laughs> you know what? Let's name Queen of vulnerability. Because, <laughs> because have you watched her? We're going to take a turn real quick. Have you had a chance to watch the Atlas of the Heart on um, her five-part episode? I have to watch it, like, tonight? Okay. Oh. I'm putting it in my schedule. I trust you. Oh, my goodness. The audiobook, phenomenal. The actual book, phenomenal. And you put all three together? Ooh, need that. So Noted. <laughs> so good the places that she takes us um and of course only the people that's that are willing to go it's gonna hit but yeah I love that you said the people that are willing to go because I I think that's something else I've noticed as a speaker is sometimes you know some of the messages that we share with students they are not in that place yet Hmm. But I have gotten messages from students years, plural, years after I have spoken to them. And I'll get this DM request like, hey, Jasmine, you spoke to my college campus, you know, four years ago and you said X, Y, Z, and it didn't really resonate with me then. But then I just had an experience Hmm. that all of a sudden it did. Right. And so it's so amazing that even though they weren't willing to go there at the time it was Mm -hmm. still in there 
And when they're ready or when they're willing, or it suddenly does become relevant to whatever situation they're in, that information, those messages are still there waiting to support. And I think that's just really cool for lack of a better, more eloquent <laughs> term. I just think that's really cool. Yeah, that's, um, that's gotta be a, a, a great feeling for you. Like, you know, like you said, maybe it is someone that you, they weren't really paying attention or whatever the case may be. And then somewhere down the line, you, that didn't stop you from sharing your message and it didn't stop them from hearing it. It may have, they they may have not been listening, but they heard it. And yep. it took yep. an experience for them to listen to it. Mm-hmm. But shout out I to you. I love the way you said that. That was so good. Shout out, shout out to you for still delivering it because I think that's what we're called to do. Like, regardless, we're still called to deliver the message so that when that person is ready to hear it when they go Mm -hmm. looking for it they'll find it yep yeah I love that so accurate love it I I knew I told you this conversation was gonna be fire oh (laughs) my god okay um why do you think you were called to speak why I don't know Mm -hmm. I don't know why I can't think of a specific reason um But I do know since I was born, like my first word was mine and I've just never stopped talking ever since. Um, Very on brand for me. And it's interesting when you get to a certain point in your career. And I think usually like in your late twenties, early thirties is when most people sort of start to do some of that, like backward glancing. Mm -hmm. But when you're thinking about your career and your life and it felt like this, right? Like you're zigzagging and nothing makes sense. And what the hell am I doing? And everything's all over the place. And then when you look back, it's such a clear trajectory, right? Like it makes everything make sense. Mm-hmm. And everything was always in alignment for you to land where you are now. Of course, you didn't know that at the time, but it's like all of the puzzle pieces fit together and it just, it all adds up and it all makes sense. And I think for me, even looking back, you know, being the chatty Kathy in class who every report card, my parents were getting told that I would not stop distracting whoever sat next to me. And so my teachers would just put my desk on a little island by itself oh. because I couldn't stop talking. I just could not shut up. <laughs> like I couldn't. <laughs> There's Jasmine's aisle over there. Yes. I would literally <laughs> have a little island. And I remember like my mom would come for a parent teacher conference and be like, why is my kid sitting by herself? <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher's like, she won't stop distracting everyone. She will not stop talking. And I've been like that since I was a kid. And my family just thinks it's so mind-boggling now that I get paid to speak places yeah because they couldn't get me to stop talking and now people want me to talk and, and they just, pay you to talk yeah it's so it's so interesting just to see how certain habits and behaviors that we've had even as children like have played such an integral role in where we end up mm-hmm. and 
I like, I'll ask people, are you surprised that this is what I do? And they're like, not at all. Like, not at all. You have been <laughs> this way your whole life. You have always been a great speaker, have wanted to be a leader. Um, even if I wasn't the line leader, I was the self-appointed line leader. I, it is what it is, right? I, I am very self-aware. At least I have that going for me and I haven't changed a lot. <laughs> I've grown a lot, but I haven't changed a lot. So I like that. I've grown a lot, but I haven't changed a lot. That's. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Because. I wonder how many heads that flew over. Wow. Fire. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I have not changed, but I have learned how to use the things that I already had in positive ways, mm-hmm. but the behavior itself has not changed. Yeah. I've just learned how to use it in for good instead of evil, right? <laughs> <laughs> in simpler terms, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Jasmine, when did you decide that you were going to stop half-assing it and when did you decide that you were going to create that product to share with other people it's so interesting I always get questions about stop half-assing it and I think people are disappointed because it doesn't mean what people think it means Mm -hmm. So in my signature keynote, which is titled Stop Half-Assing It, I tell students, I had recently had a loss in college. I lost my older brother my freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. And there was a point in time when all of my roommates were out of the suite and I was there by myself. And I was looking at myself in the bathroom mirror and I was in like... If you know, you know, I was in the pits of grief, mm-hmm. the not fun part, right? Yeah, the not growth absolutely. part. Like you, you, I wasn't even making it to class some days. Like I'll just, yeah. we're friends here. I'll just be honest. <laughs> um, I was not in the, you know, I think sometimes people look at me now and it's like, oh, you've learned so much. You've grown. I, I was not there. I was watching Grey's Anatomy in bed and eating Chick-fil-A every day. Like I was in that <laughs> part. Okay. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and being like, you need to pull it together. This Mm -hmm. is not you. You're so ambitious. You're so focused. Like you're throwing your entire life away. Like, what are you even doing right now? Mm. There was no structure. There was no direction. I was literally just trying to get through every single day. Yeah. Trying to survive. Yeah. Just trying to survive quite literally. And I said to myself in the mirror, like, you have to stop half-assing it, like pull it together, like pick something, do something, like figure it out. (laughs) And in hindsight, all of these years later, it's like, that is the exact opposite of what I needed to hear. I didn't need to hear that I needed to try harder. Mm -hmm. I needed to hear that it was okay if I was laying in bed watching Grey's and like I was grieving. I was going through one of the hardest seasons of my entire life. Yeah. Why did I expect that I should be or do anything <laughs> that I should accomplish anything or look a certain way or do whatever? And so now when I tell people I've really flipped 
I still use that saying, but I flipped what it means. Okay. So now to me, stop half-assing. It means I don't half-ass what's important to me and everything else can wait. Mm. And I was talking to someone else about this recently, but you know, I, I sort of used to have this very strict mentality. I was very, very tough on myself. I still am, but I I've gotten a lot better, Um, (laughs) but very, very tough on myself and, and have a rigid schedule and I have to do this and accomplish why. And it was just exhausting, right? It wasn't a fun way to live. And it, it just made me really tired all the time to be honest. Can I pause you for one second? Mm -hmm. Where do you think you got that from? In all honesty, I think it was a survival, like a coping mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was in this very difficult place, I felt like to pull myself out of it, I had to make up for lost time, so to speak, right? Oh my gosh, you, you were slacking off, right? That's how I pictured like grieving. Like I was just like laying on the beach somewhere. You know, this just was not doing a fun nothing, time. just wasting time, right? <laughs> right, exactly. I had this very, and and I think it's important to include like this was my first loss ever, and I was I had just turned eighteen, literally mm-hmm. a week before, and so I was very young. It was my first loss, and so I didn't know anything about some of the things we know about now, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had this very black and white mentality around what I was supposed to do or what this should look like. And, you know, I think I was just so, so hard on myself and I would push myself too hard. Um, you know, back then, if there was a day that I didn't make it to class, I would then beat myself up the whole afternoon for not going to class. Mm. Whereas now it's like, if I didn't make it to class, that means I needed to stay home today. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm going to stay home today, that means I'm going to stay home in bed under my covers. And if I want to watch Grey's Anatomy, I can watch six hours of Grey's Anatomy. Today is the day, right? Mm-hmm. So if today's a rest day, don't half-ass the rest day. Get the rest that you really need yeah. so that when you do come back, you're ready to come back. Because I think so many of us do that where it's like, I'm on vacation, but checking emails. Like if you're going to be on vacation, be on vacation, enjoy the time off so that when you come back, you're actually back. And I think we all kind of flirt with that line so much. And that's why we just feel tired all the time because we don't fully commit to being here or there. We're kind of a little bit in a little bit out of Mm -hmm. everything at the same time. That's that fear of missing out. We're, we're scared. We're going to miss something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're so petrified of what we could possibly miss that we're missing the moment that we're in right now. It's that's yeah. It's dangerous. That's sad. Oh, absolutely. So my, my yeah, that's really my, my mindset now is if I'm on vacation, don't half-ass it, do what you want. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Next week, I'm actually leaving my, me and my best friend or we're meeting in Puerto Rico and we're like, we're going to the rainforest. We're going here. We're going to swim with the turtle. You know, we're there. Do what you want. You Do everything. Right? I, I told my team at work, I'm not bringing my laptop to Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. 
If the building's yeah. on fire, I'm not a firefighter. There's nothing I can do to help you. I'm sorry. Call 911. <laughs> Call somebody else, but not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I think like those boundaries are really, really important when we're talking about not half-assing it because if you are trying to do that, but everyone in your life is not on the same page, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to no. work. I'm going to give you a little snippet of that Brene Brown. Oh, tell me. I'm here for Oh, Brene. my gosh. So she had <laughs> um, Prentice Hemphill, and she explained boundaries in one of the most profound ways. It, she explained boundaries. What did she say? She said it, it's the, um, the, what is it? The space to love me and love you at the same time, oh, but right. in a sense. And I was like, yes. Yeah. I saw the best Instagram quote recently. It said, boundaries are not to keep people out. Boundaries are for things that you want to stay in your life. Because mm-hmm. if I didn't want you to be in my life, there's no need for a boundary. You'll just be gone. Yeah, exactly. Right? If, I, if I hated this job, there would be no need for boundaries because I would just quit and find something else. Right? Mm-hmm. Boundaries are things you want to keep. Relationships, jobs, whatever. I want this in my life. And so I need to set up a system so that it works for everyone, just like you were saying. So I, I totally agree. Team boundaries over here. My therapist is, is smiling down on me right now. I'm sure if she, (laughs) but yes, it's, it's so important and it really does make a world of difference. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we're going to circle back because I, 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 I kind of, cut you off in your explanation um but I wanted to grab that moment while you were in it because I think our I think my listeners and the listeners will get a lot of value in what you had to say and what your experience was and how you navigated it and and went through and worked through came out on the other side um so circle back you were explaining the the um the stop half assing it and I didn't mean to cut you off but it was just I had to no that's okay yeah I think the the last part the tail end of your question was about when I started to kind of promote that message mm-hmm. yes. and it's interesting because I don't think it was a while before I came up with that good of a title before I will point that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, because again, I was speaking for a while, but it was very, my speech was very general. Mm-hmm. And I think I made the same mistake that so many speakers make, which is my speech was just my story. Yeah. There was no, like a good speech, as you know, is it's my story, but it's also how can you use what I learned from my story for your own story? Mm-hmm. And so that was like the missing, the secret ingredient that I was missing. And when I eventually figured that out, that's when my speaking career really started to kind of grow. And I was able to help other people, not just I wasn't just preaching about my own experience, but this is how you might be able to apply this to what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Um, 
Hey, 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 y'all. Listen, it is time for some action. If you are enjoying the content that you've been listening to, I need you to rate and review. That's it. That's all. Make sure you go to wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review it for us. We appreciate you so much. Let's get back to some resilience. Have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome? Queen of imposter (laughs) syndrome over here. Say more. So it's really interesting because um, I remember a couple years ago, I went to dinner, happy hour, with a, a group of friends from high school, people I had grown up with since I was like a little kid. Mm-hmm. and we I was late and my friends will laugh if they're listening to this I'm always that good five to ten minutes late um <laughs> I love y'all but I'm gonna be a little late I'm sorry and so I came in I think I was the last one that got there and when I sat down I was just like <sighs> and someone was like you rock star like you're freaking killing it and I was like are you kidding me my life is a basket case right now And people always like, you look so polished. You always look so put together. Like, I feel like when I'm having a bad day, I'm like, Jasmine Williams, life is so easy. And I realized that that was the the version of myself that I put out for everyone to Mm -hmm. see, right? So people, I didn't show people when I was struggling. I would kind of like go in my bat cave and struggle by myself and then I'll come out when I'm done with my my smiling dimple Insta when I'm good. And it's so interesting because I feel like in the past probably two years, I've become a lot more open Mm -hmm. about the behind the scenes of my life, especially on social media with people that don't know me in real life. And I have never had so many people connect with me and be like, I never knew that you struggled with things like imposter syndrome. I never would have guessed that you had anxiety. Like you, before it it seemed like everything was coming up roses. And so I've really tried to be better about that because I think it, it opens the door for other people to see how common it is. But for me, biggest imposter syndrome cure is just having good people in my corner and just being able to, you know, you type in the group chat when you're having a rough day and your friends are like, you know, you're killing it. We're not doing this today. No, ma'am, let's not. And then you are that in return for other people when they need it. And so I think having those support systems is really, really important because there are days where you're not going to believe in yourself. There are days where you speak to an audience and you're like, that was the worst I've ever done it. And then someone in the audience comes up to you and they're like, that changed my life. And you're like, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it's, it's mind, it's mind blowing. It really is. Um, so I think that's important. And just to have, I have a lot of like little reminders for mm-hmm. myself. I have a bad day folder I have, um, I know you can't see here in my office, but I have like thank you notes from audiences I've spoken to with specific things they took away, or I post a lot of testimonials from people not, I mean, those are not for y'all. Those are for me. Those are reminders for me. Mm -hmm. You're doing great, honey. You're doing great. Don't even stress about it. You're doing 
great. And I think we all need that. Everybody needs that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I genuinely believe anyone who says I have never struggled with imposter syndrome, you're either arrogant or you're a liar. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's, I just, I, if there is anyone that fits into a third group, please feel free to let me know. But (laughs) I just, I don't believe that. I think you either are overly confident. Maybe you're not in the right field. Maybe you need a bigger challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're just not being honest with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You're also a speaking coach. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. How, no imposter syndrome, Erin. You're right. You know you're right. You, you, I, you know, thank you. I'm going to therapize you today. <laughs> you <Yes. know. laughs> How did that uh, come to be? Yeah, it's really interesting because I never intended to do that. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things where you do it for a lot of your friends and family. And then someone's like, you could probably get paid for this. And you're like, oh interesting. Um, but I noticed that, for example, if anyone in my family had like a job interview coming up, it's like, oh my God, you have to call Jasmine, like let Jasmine prep you, let her do some practice questions with you. And even my parents will be like, okay, I have this job. (laughs) (laughs) And my friends, Hey, Jasmine, can you look at my resume? What's a good way for me to say this? Mm -hmm. How can I present this? Right. So I'll look at someone's resume and be like, oh, you should, you should say this phrase, this in that way. That sounds stronger. This is how you could get them. Right. And that's just as a speaker, especially that's just how my brain works. And over time, people just, other people would start to reach out to me and say, Hey, can you help me work on my speaking? And it's, it has just blossomed into something I was not even expecting um, in a really good way. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've gotten the chance to help people prep for everything from board meeting presentations to a couple years ago, I, I worked with a dietitian at Stanford Health wow, and okay. I got to work with her um, prepping for research conferences and presentations that she did on behalf of the hospital. And I mean, talk about imposter syndrome, right? I was on our Zoom calls, like, what could I possibly teach someone (laughs) that works at Stanford? Like, why is she asking me? I should be asking her the questions, right? Yeah. And I think things like that, like, that's such a perfect example of we all bring different things to the table. And some of us don't know what we bring yet. And it might take you a while to find what the missing ingredient is, but I kind of feel like life is just one giant potluck and we all have our own dish that we make really, really well, better than anyone. Mm -hmm. Like no one makes better fudge than my mom, period. I don't care what company, you know, I don't care. No one makes better fudge chocolate than my mom. So that's what you bring to the table. And I feel like some people just don't know what their dish that they bring is yet, but we Mm -hmm. all have one. Yeah, I love that because I like to eat. So <laughs> I love I love the yeah. I don't like to things. cook, so I'm surprised I even use that analogy because cooking. But is not you're my not thing. a cooker. I uh, see. I'm a cooker. I'm not a baker. Now, okay, that's fair. That's fair. I'm my I'd wife rather is amazing. Cook. I don't. I don't. I don't know see, how. That's why y'all balance though because cookies. 
you bring different things to the table. So the table is full. Exactly. That's exactly. All that matters. I got the spaghetti and all that good <laughs> stuff. You bring the muffins and stuff and we'll have a, we'll have a feast. <laughs> exactly. I love it. <laughs> um, do you have any like mindfulness tips that you would like to share with our audience, our listeners to try to help them um, maybe overcome some difficulties they're facing in their life right now? I love this question because I actually am kind of new to a mindfulness practice. I feel like I've just recently gotten more into it within the last year or so, especially. Mm -hmm. I've really started a meditation practice, um, just more self-care in general than I ever have before. And I, I think everyone in my life is like, it shows <laughs> you seem happier, you seem calmer, you seem more centered. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the biggest thing is just, it, it's tricky because everyone has a different practice. And I use that word intentionally of what works for them. But for me specifically, I love to write. And so journaling, life-saving, mm-hmm. life-saving, because I always tell people I talk very fast, right? I'm a Northeaster. I'm born and raised Maryland girl, DC area. We're, we walk fast. We talk fast. Get out of the way. Like that's just how we <laughs> operate here. And my brain also works very quickly, mm-hmm. like go, 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 go constantly. And so if I don't sort of dump some of that stuff out, I'll just keep adding things in there until eventually it's like coming out of my ears. Yeah. And so for me, such a huge at journaling, I just have to, it keeps me sane. And I always tell people like, you are amazed at you, what will come out sometimes. And like, I'll be looking at the page, like, I feel that I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Right. Like it's, it's very enlightening just to see when you're in a quiet place and you're just comfortable and relaxed and you're just with yourself, mm-hmm. which is very scary because yes. you don't know what's going to come out, but I think it, it can be really therapeutic and, and just yeah. helpful just to see where are, where am I right now? Right. Where mm-hmm. are you with yourself and just journaling to see sometimes whatever comes out, I think is really, it is a huge practice because again, it can be hard. (laughs) Um, but for me personally, that's been really helpful. Yeah. Um, I love the journal as well. And the one thing that has been consistent in the forever, because I've always wrote whether I was writing a rap or writing poetry, or I was always writing something. Um, my feelings come out in my handwriting. Me too. 110%. You can just, so, you can look and be like, oh, I was frantic yes. writing this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so interesting. Yeah, And you just, you learn so much about yourself mm-hmm. from yourself, which is like, there's only so many activities that bring you that right from yourself about yourself. And I just think that's amazing. Yeah. I love journaling. Yeah. The journal, handwriting like my- is you can tell. You can tell when you had a really good day 
and you had a not so good day. Yes. And it's like, okay, it looks like a doctor <laughs> wrote this because this looks like chicken scratch. <laughs> I definitely, I, I don't have my notebooks right here, but <laughs> I definitely have some, some chicken scratch pages. Yeah. I think, there. I think any, like, I think the true journalers of the world, I think that's the, we have a lot of things in common, but I think that'd be the one thing that I'm sure we all have in common because our emotions coming from our brain and the neurological the neurologic part of it all and that even goes to like the pressure that you put on the pen when you're writing and (laughs) it's Aaron there are some days where just to show an example like these are sticky notes but like I'll change to a new page and the end and I'm like I was frustrated yesterday okay (laughs) okay Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that I was that like I knew I was feeling some yeah. type of way but or sometimes I'm like wow I, I wrote on the next page <laughs> I wrote this in red pen I was really okay underline that three times all right well because I think that's why I like journaling is because you can't lie to yourself Mm-mm. right so if you ask me right now Jasmine how are you doing how are you feeling mentally? Are you good? I could lie to you, right? I'm just going to be honest. I could be like, yeah, Aaron, I'm so great. How are you? Oh my gosh. Right. But if I'm writing to myself and I'm like, how am I feeling? I'm not going to sit here and, and there's no facade, right? With yourself. Mm-hmm. When it's just you, if you can't be honest with just yourself, I you're probably not even ready for a mindfulness practice yet. Mm. But exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't lie to yourself. And that's why I think so much comes out in that space because mm-hmm. there's nowhere to hide. There's no defenses that can be up when you're in that, in that activity. And there's no faking it. Like there's, you're going to get that raw um, emotional, whether it's happy or sad. Like mm-hmm. I have I have pages where I'm like, oh, I, my handwriting looks beautiful. Like it's like just, stuff in it's all, all in size. <laughs> like, it's, not, it's not all over the place. And then some days it's like, yeah, definitely no. Like I have a I have a book. It's like a line a day. Oh yeah. And it and it's for five years. So it was awesome that I can go back the first year was like but I really didn't do it as much second year I was like so eh. many days in my first year of my <laughs> half the days were empty <laughs> like I bought it because I was trying to do something new trying to I was really trying to I knew I wanted to help people understand who they were and who they and how to get to who they wanted to be but in order to do that, I had to do that for myself first. Mm-hmm. So in doing that, I tried so many different things. But this is the the one solid thing aside from my 30 minutes of positive and educational content a day. It's the one thing that has stuck and has made such a difference. Because I can go back to 2019 and be like, wow. Like life was great back then, or I was really struggling back then. And and you can gauge like your progress 
Yes. Um, your feelings, your emotions. Maybe you learned that one emotion that you were feeling that you thought you were feeling was actually a different emotion. And I was mm. like, oh, that wasn't that. That was that. Mm. Yeah. I love to look back at my old journals. I was just starting my spring cleaning this weekend. I was looking back at my old journals. And one of the things that I include in mine is manifestations. Mm-hmm. Cause I like to write mine down. And so 2019 Jasmine, one of my, or 2020 Jasmine, one of my manifestations was I own a beautiful home and Mm -hmm. I would write it every single day. And now I'm sitting in my first house. And so I think it like, it gives me chills to read back things that I was working so hard for. And then Mm -hmm. now you're like, wait, I did, I did do that. And so now when you're writing new manifestations, new goals, new dreams, things that you're working towards, it's like, you know, that it's possible because you're looking back at what you wanted so badly that you have now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the really special thing about journaling that you don't get from other types of like mindfulness activities is you can actually go back and look at that and say, look at that version of myself and look at where I am now. And it's just such a, it's a really interesting opportunity for reflection and just to look at where you are and where you're going. And I love that. Love it. You need those receipts. Yes. Team receipts over here. (laughs) Definitely. How's the pup? He's good. He just went to the vet, updated on all his shots, all the things. So he's not going to come in here because he's upset with me right now. Oh, um, but he's good. <laughs> I was, um, I like to do like some research on, um, everyone I have on. And I was like, oh my gosh, he was so small. Like, yes. oh my gosh, he's so big. The little baby. Oh, so it's like watching so someone's well. kid like, grow up. He's got such a crazy personality. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Like my mom says to me, he's your dog. Cause y'all have some things is, in huh? common because he acts like me sometimes. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's amazing. <laughs> the, it's amazing that the, the traces they pick up from us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like I'm very schedule oriented and my dog is also very schedule oriented. Like we go out at nine, we go out at nine. It's nine 12. What are we doing? Like mom, come on. Cause, uh, Listen, I, I know you Trains you, need to run on time. Mm-hmm. That is my dog, but that's also me. And I'm like, wait, is that why he's like that because of me? Or am I like that because of him? Right? It's just <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to pass it off. Like, <laughs> yeah, they are like, they I, absorb I so much. Like that. Yeah. Good. I had to, you know, I know he's a big part of your life. So I wanted yes, to Duke. make sure I asked about him. Um, Thank you. Do you have anything that you want to share um, with the, the listeners? I think the biggest thing is just, and this is something that it took me a while to learn, mm-hmm. is there is no advice that anyone can give you that is one size fits all. Mm. And I remember 
for so long, I would, I would look at people who seemed like they had it all together and like, I'm going to like, try to be like this person or try to do what this person does because it's working for them. But the keywords are working for them. Mm -hmm. And then I would be like, this doesn't work. This isn't working for me. I'm trying to get up at 5am and drink the damn kale smoothies and my life is not getting better. I'm tired and hungrier right? It's not working. Something's not working. And it's just, I think that is so important. Like what works for everyone else does not work for you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to work for you. You have to recognize like what your non-negotiables are and what things you need to be happy. Me personally, I will never be happy getting up at five o'clock in the morning. That's not me. I'm sorry. And if people want to call me lazy or say my business is not going to grow, whatever, I don't care. I will Mm -hmm. be a meaner, sadder person if I got up at five o'clock in the morning every day. It's not for me. And that's fine. Yeah. So I think it's important to to take everything you get from people sort of with a grain of salt like that, right? You have to figure out what works for you. What do you love? What works for you? What brings you joy? What's that sense of balance again, right? If you're on a rest day, let it be your rest day. If you're in a admin work heads down day, then you really need to put your head down and be working kind of mm-hmm. day, right? But there has to be this, this balance, this balancing act because life is supposed to be fun. Yes, It doesn't have to all be hard. It doesn't have to all be ambitious and driven and heads and nose to the grind. So, you know, it doesn't have to be. And I think sometimes we, we get this pressure Like you have to do more, be more, get more focused, be more ambitious, grow your following, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you don't have to, Mm -hmm. you don't have to. And so I think it's important to, especially we were talking about journaling, like that reflection of yourself and what brings you joy and what feels good to you. And it doesn't have to work for literally anyone else if it works Mm -hmm. for you. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned. I, I, I truly believe that we can, we can listen take what works and discard the rest. Mm -hmm. You can listen to someone else and take what works, you know, what you think will work for you. And then, and then as you go, now you're building your, your own personal blueprint. It's your blueprint. It's not going to look like anyone else's. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's so important. Absolutely. So, So do I, because I mean, can you can you imagine a carbon copy of all of us? Like y'all would be sick of me. Sick of me. <laughs> <laughs> One Jasmine Williams is enough. <laughs> I immediately went to at TikTok when it was like, what did they say? Something about when something happens, y'all gonna be sick of me. Sick of me. <laughs> yes. Immediately went there. I also love that post. Um I don't have it in front of me, but it's like, you could go to the grocery store and you could get all of the ingredients to make your favorite smoothie, but it doesn't taste the same as when you go to a certain place to get it, right? If there's a place near your house and the woman who posted it, she said, that's why I don't worry about people copying me because you could take my exact speech. I could give you line for line what I'm going to say, and you're still not going to do it like me. Mm-hmm. I could give you my book and say, here, this is the manuscript. This is what the book's going to be about. And you could write the exact, and it's not going to be the same. And I think it's just, 
you get to a point in your life where you realize that no one else can be like you. And when you're younger, it's like, that's a bad thing. But when we get older, we realize like, that's so special. No one else can be like you. Like, that's amazing. That's our superpower. You can't do me wrong because it's me, right? Like no one else can show me what this is supposed to be like. And I, Mm -hmm. I think we need to learn to harness that power in just being ourselves and whoever that looks like for us a little more. Yeah. We need to let go of what society tells us we should be and who we should be. And because that's, um, that's proven to be very, very detrimental. Like point blank period. It's heavy. Um, where can we, if we wanted to follow you, support you, where can we do all that? Yes. So I am on all of my social platforms at Miss Jasmine C. Williams, and you can also find me, some of the schools I've spoken at and more about my message at jasminecwilliams.com. Perfect. 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 Love it. Love it. Jasmine, thank you so very much for spending some time with 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 us specifically with me i'm going to be selfish y'all and that's it it just is what it is i'm gonna be selfish thank you for spending some time with me um before you go i have one question for you okay um what does resilience mean to you i was talking to someone else about this recently and i said you know, I think there's this idea that adversity makes you strong. And I think it's the opposite. Resilience is what makes you strong. Adversity mm-hmm. makes us weak, right? Adversity is hard. Anyone that says adversity is not hard, that's the definition of the word, right? But resilience is really what's already inside of you. And adversity is often what brings it out. And, and it that. brings out you know, I saw a post in the beginning of the pandemic and it said, crisis reveals what's already inside of us. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many beautiful examples of times where people didn't know what they were capable of until they were put in certain situations, usually challenging ones. And I think that's what resilience really is. It's the, the beautiful, broken, hard challenges and really what's already inside of us that comes out just at the right times that's that is literally resilience in action like that is phenomenal loved it loved it jasmine thank you so much for spending some time with us today it was my pleasure thank you aaron of course Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Resilience in Action with Erin Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And I want you to remember one thing. Resilience in Action will always lead to a greater human experience.